You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 369, we're discussing... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and a whole bunch of other small nerd items. I am your host for this evening. It is Tim, and after a slew of technical issues, I'm finally back behind the mic inside of the nerd room. And I just wanted to say right off the top, how's it going, my fellow nerds? I just got back from a beautiful two-week vacation, and no, I'm not drinking a beer or a seltzer or anything like that this week, although I do wish I was back on the beach doing that. I am again back at the mic, having some fun here, talking nerd on the solo. My co-host, my good friend Ian, is taking some much-deserved time off to go visit his family, so he's taking a very long journey back to that island just in the northern Atlantic there. The one that we call the UK. I don't know what he calls it, where exactly he is, but he did get there, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from him very soon. But this week, guys, you've got me once again with a solo shot, and I look forward to talking about all the different nerd that has happened this week. And much like last week, I don't really have a format or a plan for this episode, so we're going to do something very similar. I'm going to talk about some of the things I did last week, but also... We're going to take a little bit of a dive back over to comicbookmovie.com and check out some of the stories that are kicking around over there and see what the world of nerd has gotten up to over the past week or so. And you know what? I'd just like to, again, thank everyone. I love coming at the mic here, and I hope you enjoy taking 30, 40, whatever amount of time this episode is going to be and just kicking back and relaxing with me, decompressing across hump day here as I record and just musing in a little bit of nerd. So let's just jump straight into this week in nerd. Now, I had the pleasure after getting back from a nine-hour drive from our vacation destination to take a little bit of a break, followed up by a holiday Monday up here in Canada. And we did take that opportunity to head over to the movie theater and check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Now, I've been talking about this movie for a couple of weeks. I was very, very excited to see this in theaters. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of my most favorite franchises of all time. This stems all the way back to, of course, those 80s cartoons into the early 90s films, the toys, the video games, all of it. Turtles was a huge part of my life, and I felt somewhat disconnected from it for a very long time outside of the collecting because a lot of it is based in animation, and I just felt a lot of it really wasn't for me, although I've heard very good things about some of the more recent Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm seeing lots of figures on the pegs, and of course we've got companies like NECA revisiting that nostalgic era, bringing those action figures from the early movies, from the, I guess, the scaled-up retro figures into that kind of ultimate version. So Turtles are present, but this movie had a little bit of a special feel to it. It very much felt like it was a bridge from that 80s era 
up into the present day. You know, the, some of the producers behind it, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, are very similar in age to me. So I do believe they experienced Turtles the same way I did through the action figures and through those cartoons. And that very much was reflected on the big screen inside of this film. Now, as I talk through the film, there will be a few spoilers here. I'm not going to do a full breakdown. I'm just going to kind of give you my opinion as I exited the theater. You know, as we traditionally do here in the Nerd Room, when we do talk about films, we'd like to uncork here at the start. I'm basically just going to do that just to give you an impression as to how I felt about the movie and maybe provide a little bit of insight as to whether you should maybe go check this out in theaters, especially if you have a connection to the turtles themselves. So going to this, I saw this with my wife and my youngest daughter, and she has this just wonderful take on the Ninja Turtles. She, one, calls them Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I think is just absolutely adorable. And two, she thinks that they are in the sewers, that turtles are in the sewers. My wife told me a few days before we went and saw the Mutant Mayhem movie that she got very concerned because she walked by a sewer drain and it was filled completely up with water. And she was very concerned that the turtles were down there and they were going to get hurt. And my wife then explained that, oh, turtles can go underwater and that they're fine and they might be over at a different place. And so she has this just this wonderful imagination and idea of what the turtles are and that they exist in the sewers. And this movie really reinforced that for her. She had an absolute blast with it. And yes, her staying power isn't quite what I wanted to be just yet at the movie theaters, but she did pretty good. And exiting the theater, I said, you know, sweetie, what? how did you feel about this? Did you like the Ninja Turtles? She says, I love the Ninja Turtles. And so that made me very, very happy that she got some enjoyment out of this movie. And now looking at it from my perspective, from the adult perspective, this movie, and I said this to Carlos the other day when I was kind of giving it him my two-sentence text message review on this. I said, it's got kind of everything you want in a Ninja Turtles movie. It feels familiar. It feels nostalgic. But then it also carves its own path. And it does that by tweaking characters a little bit, really focusing on the teenage element of the Turtles, which is something that we really, at least in my experience with the Turtles, I do believe Nickelodeon does this with the cartoons, but they've really focused on that coming of age, coming into their own, and really finding themselves inside of the Ninja Turtles. So it's a great experience. All of them have very unique personalities. You don't see really much blending and they're the more traditional personalities, but each turtle gets his time to shine inside of this. April O'Neil in this is great. She's a great, I guess, audience perception into the turtles where she is kind of that bridge between the real world and the turtles world. And so she is stellar inside of this. Jackie Chan as Splinter is also phenomenal. Loved his voice and his approach to this character. And then you really layer in all of the other mutants, which I thought was a really cool approach, not going straight on with Shredder and the Foot Clan and, and all of this. They kind of went a different path and, and used it as a way to give somewhat of a dual origin story for the villain and our heroes, of course, with the TGRI ooze and how they were born and using Baxter Stockman as kind of more of the foundational character that's kind of really pushed that element of it. And I love seeing characters like Mondo Gecko and, of course, Bebop and Rocksteady. And they just had just this wonderful mix of those characters that, if I'm being honest with you, I remember them more from 
the action figures than I do from the actual cartoons. The action figures is what sticks out to me. And they do a great job of kind of bringing a lot of that in. Wingnut, and you get Superfly, which I don't know if that's an original character or if that's a, an, or a character from the cartoon. I don't quite remember, to be honest with you, and I haven't really looked that up. But again, it, the, the whole story, I think, evolves very, very nicely. I will say, if I had to throw two slight they're not even criticisms they're they're just things that i had a hard time getting past was the animation now i'm very much a straight line animation guy call me boring vanilla whatever you want but i had a hard time if i'm being honest with you with the animation style in this and i know this style as it translates from across the spider verse into this and it gives it definitely a unique look and it makes it feel original and it does fit given that these characters are coming out of the comic book world and so it all works i don't think it is a huge attractor but it did i found it a bit distracting sometimes because some of the the scribbling effects that they have on certain things and the 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 layering of, of different kind of pencil markings even on characters faces and all that i i just felt that that it just seemed a little bit forced to me. Like, why would that actually be? Is that actually how, and this might be my my lack of knowledge on artistic approaches, but it just felt like we're doing the scribble on purpose. This the, Donnie had this thing on his face at one point that didn't really line up with his glasses and it was across his face. It just felt weird to me. And I did get used to it, but it was something that I had to actually get over. Like it was a barrier for my enjoyment a little bit. And it did i didn't love the animation i know a lot of people throwing praise at this i know it's unique and it's not your typical kind of disney or and or whatever it is the illumination style of animation and i'm not i don't want to knock originality because i think we need more and more and more of that but it was something that that did bother me a little bit and there's glimpses of clean lines in this movie and i was really really yearning for that a little bit more so it definitely doesn't i don't think it did for me a little bit. <laughs> I want to say what it didn't detract. It did detract from my experience a little bit. And the other piece of it was the, the end battle. I felt that they did a really good job at keeping the story pretty tight. And although dealing with very large elements inside of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle universe with the, the mutants and how they're formed and having so many mutants on the board at once, there wasn't like one or two characters I just felt like the end battle with the super, super fly or mega fly, whatever you want to call him with all the animals stuck on him and that, like it fit the theme of it all, but it was just too big for me. Instead of really pulling down and kind of getting to the the crux of it and maybe using characters like Bebop and Rocksteady or, or splitting the mutants up into good and bad mutants and having more of a a hand-to-hand -hand battle they went to this large kaiju sort of thing godzilla sized thing and it just felt like it pulled me out of the movie a little bit i didn't love the design of the big kaiju looking thing but ultimately you know that's only the last couple of minutes of it if i had to throw a little bit of constructive criticism those would be the two things for me personally but overall i i loved the return to this franchise. I love that I got to experience a TMNT movie with my daughter at the movie theater. Absolutely incredible in 2023. And I look forward to what they're going to do next with this franchise because I very much think that although being a self-contained story, which is, I think, let me touch on this a little bit. One of the things that I read recently was a lot of the, the successes of the summer 
are movies that are intentionally written as a singular film, not as part of a franchise or setting up sequels and all that. Barbie, Oppenheimer, these movies seem to be doing very, very well because they tell a whole story. Now, I think there are ways to tell franchise stories, and I think Ninja Turtles is is a kind of a good example of it because I do feel that this movie can exist inside of the singularity that is Mutant Mayhem. It, of course, plants seeds for what is next, and it kind of does that sporadically throughout the film, but it feels like this movie could just end and you have a satisfying beginning, end, and middle. Like the turtles are sent off on a path. We're like, okay, I see where they're going with all this. I see how they can progress. And the villain is sorted out. And yes, there is a tease and there's a larger overarching villain and all that. But I, I feel like this can be a self-contained story, which I think is important for, for films that we're not just having a hour and a half, two hour commercial for what potentially is next, the big culmination film and all that. They do a very good job at concentrating on the character development of the turtles and then really plowing forward with what potentially could be next in only the last few frames. So overall, I would say TMNT is definitely worth a visit to the theaters, especially if you have some sort of a nostalgic connection to that era of 80s and early 90s turtles through the figures or through the cartoons or those movies. I think it does a really good job making this a generational franchise and demonstrating how it is a generational franchise that I can enjoy this because of my nostalgic connections. And then my daughter can also enjoy this being one of her first gateways in. Now she sees the figures and understands the figures, understands everything from there. But overall, yeah, Mutant Mayhem is definitely a hit. And I look forward to kind of revisiting this down the road, maybe when on a smaller, more compact screen, maybe the animation doesn't bother me as much. But overall, yes, Mutant Mayhem, Turtles are back, Jack, and I love it. Alrighty, alrighty. Let's let's get to it, guys. I don't have much more to follow up on here. There was one story that I did brush by on Twitter that I want to talk to, and it it's always interesting because when we get into the business side of of pop culture, I often wonder if you guys just kind of tune out or whatever. But I find it absolutely fascinating the business side of things, and you know, there's a lot going on right now, and I'm not going to speak to any of the strikes or anything like that. But one thing I did want to touch on was this news story that pops up and down, up and down, up and down inside of the trades and all that. And it's this potential that Disney could be sold to Apple or merge with Apple. Now, Apple's a tech giant, of course. Everyone knows what Apple, you know, I'm recording on a Mac right now. I got an iPhone in my pocket. I got an Apple TV upstairs, all the stuff. So this tech giant, I think they're worth almost $3 trillion and down on an order of magnitude lower is Disney, which is one of the biggest entertainment companies, but it itself is worth, I think, about $150 billion. Now, Apple could very much consume Disney, and that's that's kind of the rumor. And mergers, there's always maybe some element of truth to rumors, I would say, with mergers. I've been in the business world for a long time, and there's always a rumor going around about something being sold or someone being merged or someone being bought and all this stuff. So these these rumors are perpetual, and I think everything technically, quote-unquote, is for sale for the right price. But this one, I don't know. Like a tech giant diversifying into parks, diversifying into film, diversifying into characters and all this kind of crazy stuff it just seems like a bit of a reach for me like why would apple want to buy this yes 
you could consolidate things like Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus and Hulu, all that. You can do that much better and you can consolidate into a single streamer, which I think we're going to see. Either we're going to see streamers dropping off or we're going to see them consolidating libraries and consolidating their productions to try to either drop costs or provide bigger libraries without having to invest anything other than the initial purchase. So that's that's that. But Apple doing parks, Apple doing the traditional Disney, like the cruise lines and hotel hospitality, even everything to like apparel and merchandising and the way they do things. It just seems like a huge leap to me. And now if you read Bob Iger's book, his autobiography, I, I, I absolutely love it. I've read it twice, actually. He does talk about a, a desire to maybe and potentially merge Apple and Disney together because him and Steve Jobs were quite good friends towards the end of Steve Jobs' life. Bob Iger was the one that went and talked to Steve Jobs, rekindled and fixed the relationship between Disney and and Pixar because they're at a very very rocky position. I think I think they'd actually split at one point, and Bob Iger eventually was the one that forged the deal to buy Pixar from Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs in turn became one of the largest, if not the largest, Disney shareholder. So he did have a lot of sway inside of that company, and so they seemingly had a vision for a future where Bob Iger and Steve Jobs could eventually bring these two companies together. Now, that was a very long time ago, and Apple's a very different company than it was back then. And to be honest with you, I just don't see this happening. But it is very interesting because then you bring up all sorts of questions about things like antitrust and does this make this entertainment company too big? Does it have too much of a monopoly on certain aspects of the digital space or certain aspects of the entertainment space. You know, as you start to, to really pull these things together, you've got Disney that has consumed things like Pixar and Lucasfilms and Marvel and also 20th Century Fox. And then you you bring that all into Apple. And, and what does that mean for competition? Antitrust laws in Canada and the US and all that are meant to drive competition and create a competitive landscape where mediocrity can't just be perpetuated because there's no one competing with them anymore. And so I'm not saying that that is going to happen, but if to me, if Apple wants to move further into the entertainment space, taking it with someone like Paramount, maybe that that make might make a bit more sense. Where you get a bit of a library, you get some IPs that you can add to this Disney or Apple Plus if they really want to diversify that way. But Disney just is it's such a huge company that has got its fingers in so many different pieces of the entertainment industry, going like I said all the way to the parks and all that, the cruise lines, everything. It just doesn't seem realistic to me. Now, we could turn around tomorrow and Disney and Apple could be merging, but I I, I don't think that's going to happen. And does Bob Iger, the man that was, you know, he brought back, renewed to 26, does he want to be the man that, that sold Disney and effectively potentially dismantled it in some capacity? Does he want to be that guy? Is that his legacy? His legacy was was pretty solid when he retired the first time, being the guy that acquired 20th Century Fox, the guy that acquired Lucasfilm and Marvel and Pixar and, and really built this company, you know, put in some of the biggest parks globally. His legacy being the guy as being the guy that sold Disney to Apple or merged with Apple. I don't know. That that's that's a little bit much for me at this point in time, but I guess we'll see. You know, the future is is a strange and unknown place. And it might be one where Apple and, and Disney are merged into one. 
but uh, I wouldn't get uh, too excited about some of those rumors that are that are floating around here. So, all right, guys, we are in the month of August, and of course, that is the month of Ahsoka, the 23rd of August. We have Ahsoka coming at us, and I am pretty excited about this one. You know, I've talked about my hesitation towards the GA, but you know what? I am a Star Wars fanboy. And I'm here for it all day. There's like lots of juicy little trailers out there. Some of the last ones, I didn't watch any of them. But I just wanted to say, like, I'm super pumped to, to chat about this with you guys out there, with Star Wars fans, with Ian, and just kind of break down some of these episodes. Because I think this is going to be the most universe-building Star Wars installment that we've gotten in a long time. I think every episode is going to have some little nugget, some big world builder, but also telling a more refined story around Ahsoka. So I, I just want to say, like, we we are, you know, what it is, what is it, a couple weeks, two, as I record here, two weeks out from Ahsoka dropping. So it's going to be exciting, and I'd, be, I'd love to hear some theories for you guys. Like, what's the, you know, speculation is fun, and, you know, we don't do a ton of it in here anymore, but, like, what's what's going to be something that i think just blows our socks off like is throng going to be that formidable foe are we actually going to are we actually going to see anakin in this in a proper way like i know i talked about that last week about the potential of being a force ghost but man like who knows like we've never seen have we ever seen anakin hayden christian anakin on that classic clone wars are in that classic Colmer's armor? I don't think so. Like, how cool would that be? We're, we're missing that piece of it. So bring it on. Look, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be, I think, a real standout. And, man, Star Wars. Star Wars is cooking here, guys. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about all this. I'm pretty excited about this. So given that there's not a whole bunch more going on inside of the Nerd World that I really didn't touch on last week with the Loki trail and all that, I just wanted to touch on one thing. I, I saw this, and this is a rumor, speculation thing and all that there, but it's something that I've been thinking about for a while, and I just wanted to, to kind of to really broach it here on the podcast and talk it through out loud. It really has to do with the multiverse saga. Now, there's been, there's been a lot of... I personally have thought that and you can go back and listen to my Loki trailer breakdown from last week, that Marvel Studios has kind of gone a weird path with their multiverse saga and having it it be a real big question mark as to how they're progressing all this. But I heard an interesting rumor the other day, and it, it kind of fits to something that I was thinking about quite a while ago with regards to Secret Wars. I've said from the beginning almost that that movie feels like it is too big to be contained within one single two and a half three hour film it feels very much like this needs to be split and i heard i don't know if this is a fan theory or if this is a rumor or what it is that there is indeed a plan to split secret wars into two films but to have a, a complete phase maybe in between those two movies where it is all about war world or like multiversal stories so essentially you'd have all of these films that are taking place outside of the prime timeline outside of the 616 mcu timeline and it's just basically all of these potentially what ifs if you will live action what ifs you know where you get potentially exploring some of the the elements of the fox universe or some of the elements of you know what what happened if captain america was hydra like all of these stories that they could potentially tell where they don't necessarily mess with the 616 timeline 
but they have the ability to kind of walk all over the place and explore all these options, bring back Downey for another Iron Man go, bring all these characters that maybe we haven't seen, get another Quicksilver, crack at Quicksilver or Ultron or something to that effect where you could have all these stories being told on or inside of Warworld, which Warworld's kind of like this uh, amalgamation of all these different universes on one planet type thing. And so it's an interesting concept, but I would have to say it would be very very confusing for the audience to try to understand this but it would allow creators to shed the shackles of some of the timeline stuff and just tell interesting stories with interesting characters like how cool would it be to do like i said like a hydra cap or something to the effect of you know what if this person was the hulk or you know, there's tons of what if stories out there and they've explored some of that in what if the the animation, you know, could they translate that on and spend two years, three years telling these what if live action stories? Like, what do you guys think about that? Would that intrigue you to see Marvel Studios essentially take a break from the MCU, kind of have their cake and eat it too, where we all can take a breath, have these stories told and then essentially we get to Secret Wars Part 2 and they essentially erase all of it. And these are all kind of what if extra timeline stuff. And then we go back to kind of, you know, another quote unquote blip where we have essentially a reset of the 616 universe. You know, could Secret Wars be the reset and we get a, a universe coming at the other side of Secret Wars that is a, a not so much a patchwork, but maybe it is a way to do a soft reboot and allow us to revisit Captain America, Steve Rogers or Iron Man or, or another take on Thor. Like there's a, there's a lot of potential there, but it seems like there is a little momentum with Loki season two with a potential Dr. Strange film dropped in Dr. Strange three dropped in there somewhere to kind of kickstart all of this. We've of course got Kang and whether that remains Jonathan majors or not is, is yet to be told. But it seems that this multiverse saga could actually turn into something that is quite unique and allow Marvel Studios to to break away from this 15-year run of, of telling stories in this single timeline. So I wanted to throw that out there because I thought it was an interesting take on things. And it's, it's like I said, a way to, to change things up a little bit for a couple of years, give the audiences a break, which I think they're very much ready for. It's a break that I never really thought I would want, and it's a break I never really thought we would see the GA desiring out of the MCU, but it's here. And so that's one way to do it. And Deadpool feels like very much like it could be a piece of all of that too. So the Multiverse Saga, although I'm hesitant on a lot of it, and I've pitched ideas or a desire to move away from it, some of this stuff gets me a little excited gets the juices flowing a little bit and gets me intrigued at least to see this story unfold although because phase four and good chunk of phase five we haven't seen a lot of the puzzle pieces coming together it's still very much this just kind of i think random splatter of of shows and and characters maybe something bigger is coming together here as we move to the back half of phase five into phase six and of course getting a, a bit of a slowdown a pace change up from what we've had in the past and maybe that readjustment time is going to allow for 
a, a refocusing on different stories to be told. And one way to do that is is to do it inside of a multiverse. So they'd definitely be the first doing major multiverse storytelling um, and trying to not veer so much away for and veering and veering very much far away from their prime timeline. So that, that's where I'm going to stop it this week, guys. I didn't really get into the comic book movie piece of it all. Um, I did do a scroll through here, and there's nothing huge in the absence of some kind of just basic rumors, but those are kind of some of the more fun rumors that I want to talk about, specifically around the Apple purchase and and uh, some of this MCU stuff because I always love talking some MCU. So, guys, we're going to be back at the mics. I think Ian's going to try to join um, from his vacation next week. And if not, you'll have me again just kind of doing one of these solo solo shots here. Maybe I'll look for a fellow co-host from some of my other nerd friends that exist in the space, or maybe I'll just keep going solo. So if you guys have any thoughts, opinions on these solo shots, or if you'd like to see something more from the nerd room, you just always hit me up at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You find myself over at the Nerd RM, and you can see some of the changes that are coming in my podcasting life. I did announce online last week on Twitter that my wife and I have purchased a podcast conference company. We actually purchased the non-tangible assets from a founder of a podcast conference here called Pod Summit that hadn't run since the onset of the pandemic and I got to know the founder a little bit through some of my podcast stage planning that I had done through an event in the spring of this year and through that I was we were able to discuss and land on a purchase agreement for this these assets which included of course like the domain and the concepts and all this kind of stuff and then we we created a company out of it and we are actively pursuing putting together the first conference for 2024 here in Calgary Alberta where I live. So Pod Summit is the name, podsummit.com. Go over there and check it out. You can see kind of our plan for this. It's very much focused on the Canadian podcasting landscape and bringing together podcasters, industry experts, and, and people that are interested in telling stories through audio and really pulling that together and trying to forge a shift from the status quo, challenge the future a little bit. And, and have some fun at the same time. And so I'm really looking forward to taking this journey and really throwing myself a little bit deeper into the podcasting space, not as much behind the microphone, but more so in front and trying to, to try to steer or help direct the future or shape the future a little bit of podcasting in Canada. So I'm very, very excited about that. And with that, we'll also be starting a new podcast. It's called The Podcast Experience. And we'll be launching in September. I've already got one interview under my belt. It will be, of course, an interview style of podcast where I'm going to be asking different podcasters to come on and tell their podcasting stories, their podcast experience, if you will, journeying into things about their origin story, obstacles, how they turned their passion into a podcast, and really trying to understand podcasters. And so that's going to be a part, a bigger part of our shift towards developing this conference is kind of connecting Pod Summit to podcasters and telling the stories because that's what the conference is all about. It's all about embracing the stories, amplifying the voices of podcasters out there. And so we're very excited to start this venture. We're still very much in the early planning stages and trying to find our feet underneath us with a new company, a new idea, and bringing this all together. So we've had some great contact with some people already. We're actually going to look at a venue next week 
And we're hoping to launch a date here within the before September really is kind of what we're targeting or just into September. Uh, and we're looking at probably middle of 2024 is what we're shooting for here. So very, very exciting stuff here. And what that means to the nerd room is yet to be told. We will, like I said last week, we will be continuing, but we could potentially, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Maybe if you got some feedback, you can let me know. The nerd room could potentially move to bi-weekly where the podcast experience is going to be releasing bi-weekly so we could alternate those and potentially break up the nerd room release a little bit so we're not doing week on week we would come back for of course special movie reviews and all that if we had to um, but we will always have at least two episodes in the feed a month and there'll be two episodes of the podcast experience which will be on its own separate feed and all that but that will of course feature podcasters that you know and love from all different genres as well so very excited about all that. We still have to work through the details of the release schedule and the frequency of releases and what this exactly means for the Nerd Room, but the Nerd Room will continue because I think to to really move forward with this conference, I have to continue to be a voice in the podcasting community and contributing and evolving it through my voice and through experiencing podcasting. So guys, uh, thank you to those that, that congratulated us and wished us well on this new venture. I'm very excited to share this experience with you guys, and I can't wait to see what we do with Pod Summit. So, guys, with all of that being said, I really appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. I love that you come back here every week to just have some fun with me, decompress a little bit, and I appreciate every single one of you. So, just thank you. So, anyways, with all the mushy stuff out of the way, with all that being said, for the Nerd Room... I'm Tim, and go out there and have some fun this weekend. Enjoy yourselves, and uh, just be kind. Just be kind to everyone. So, guys, thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Carlos, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and the Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.